0: going to uh, be kind of focusing on Peter's denial, but I'm going to walk you through just a brief overview and meditation of all those passages that were just read. Um, I'm going to read uh, John 19, 28 through 30 first, and then, then we'll pray. Um, this is when Jesus actually died. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, and so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to its to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Um, let's, uh, as we commonly do at our church, let's spend some moments in silence and uh, pray together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, in the hour of death, you were faithful to the very end and you completed the work that God the Father gave you to do, which was to accomplish salvation, uh, to never respond out of selfishness or sin. But you, to the very bitter end, um, always poured out grace to others. Um, You were always wanting more of us and we were wanting less of you. And so, Lord, that's why we, as uh, our representatives there in the scriptures, gave you sour wine at the time of your deepest need. Um, we can only give you things uh, that make you recoil unless we have your grace poured out onto us. Unless you did what we just read. And so, would you come, Lord? Um, it has been one uh, one heck of a year for all of us, and this is what we need. We need you uh, to to. We need you to come to us, and and we need to know that you're good, and the cross tells us that. And so, would you do that now by the Spirit in Christ's name, Amen? So I have a I have a friend who says that to move through this world is is to cause pain. It's what you do when we move through the world. Because we have broken things, because of sin, because we didn't want to be near God. And uh, if you're not coming from a Christian perspective, this is the testimony of human beings. that at the core of every single person that's ever lived, we sense a separation from God and alienation. And it's not just some ethereal general truth, but it's personal to God. It's so personal that he became a human being in the form of Jesus Christ. And he died for you and for me and for all those who believe in him. And to admit as human beings that to move through this world as a sinful human being, as a broken human being, is to cause pain. Um, As you live your life, what you begin to ask, it really gets sort of simplified. Uh, If you seek to believe in God at at all, the, the question that's at the core of everything is how can God be in control and good with all the pain still here in this world. If you don't ask that question, I oftentimes wonder if we're being honest with ourselves or if we're paying attention. And how can God be loving with so much evil in the world? How can God be loving with something in my own life that's broken that I wish that he would take away? And I know that he has the power to do it, but he's not doing it. And that's why Jesus goes to the cross. That's what Good Friday is about. That at the crucifixion, all the confusion, all the terror that we experience in this world collide with God's perfect plan. It collides with His goodness, with His love. And the proper response to that is to let it cut your heart, to let it wound your heart. To allow the story of God, that is the gospel, in so that it affects you. That's the work of the Spirit. The Spirit makes it effectual to your heart. And so what I want to talk to you tonight very briefly is how do you let that story in? And again, like we say all the time here at Redeemer, that story is for Christians and non-Christians at all times. How do you let the story in? you first must believe that this actually happened, what we just read. And then secondly, you must believe that it happened for you personally. So I want to take a look at what actually happened through Jesus' betrayal, his blood, and his burial. So first, his betrayal. So Peter betrayed Jesus. We often think that Judas betrayed him, and he did. But also everyone else betrayed Jesus because Peter denied Jesus at a time of desperate need. Uh, that's what uh, chapter 18, verses 25 through 27 are saying that Peter, in essence, he disowned association with Jesus. Now, many of you know what it is to be disowned. We have many uh, adopted people in our church, but we also have many people who have been abandoned by those that love you, quote unquote, the most in this world. And what, what Jesus is teaching us here is that he knows that pain. He knows that betrayal. That God knows experientially what it means to be left at a time when you really need people near. And one of the crazy things about how God operates and that we we need to learn from is that God does not clamor to fix everything when it's been broken. He just sort of sits in it. He sits there and he waits now, why? Why would he do that? Why would he sit in that level of pain? Um, it's because that's the type of God that you need. The type of God that sits in your lowest moments with you before acting, before doing anything. I have a friend who was reaching out to another family that was really hurting last week, and she said, she said to this other uh, family that was hurting. She says, "Is there anything I can do? Is there? Can I bring over a meal? Is there any way that I can help your family out right right now?" And the wife of this family responded. She said, "I don't even know how to talk back to you right now. I can't even respond. I'm hurting so much that I don't even know how to respond to help." She was hurting so much that she could barely move. Um, this is why Jesus really allowed himself to be broken at the cross so that when you're in a place where you cannot bring yourself to respond, even to people who love you and want to help you, he knows. He knows exactly what that's like emotionally, experientially. He's there. He is acquainted with that kind of grief. Isaiah says. That's what it means to be betrayed in this world. Uh, two, um, we learn how, how to really uh, encounter Jesus through, and this is gruesome, maybe, uh, his blood. Uh, 19 verses 1 and 2 says that they flogged him. And I want, I want us to imagine this. They took a, a crown of like what would be briars and they shoved it down on his skull. And that is, they were mocking him. They were making fun of him, uh, humiliating him. I don't know if you've ever been beaten up, you know. Um, I, I got to fight once. I didn't win. Uh, a good buddy of mine, you know, when you, when you get beat up younger in life, it's, it's damaging physically, uh, but also emotionally, I had a buddy who was older than me when I was in college, and he said when he was playing intramural basketball, he was mouthing off to one of the refs. The problem was that ref lived in his dorm room. And later that night, he knocked on the door of my friend, and he, he put him up against the wall like this and slapped him around. And he said, if, if you ever do that again, it's going to be worse than this. Um, Jesus, I, I, that encouraged me, by the way. Uh, Jesus knows what that feels like. To be humiliated physically. Uh, to be beaten up. Uh, when the blood flowed out of his side, what that meant that that was that a, a Jewish person would have said, life was leaving his body. In the Levitical system, you never you never ate the blood, you never drank the blood. It's because that's where the life was. And what you need to see is that when Jesus went to the cross... What we gave to him sucked and drained all the life out of him. We humiliated him. This is the testimony of the Christian faith that we would have done the same stuff. And that is the heart of his love for you. That he loves people that do things like this to him. That's why he says, It's finished. Because beyond the physical pain, beyond the flogging, it's, it's the emotional abandonment that, that is really so tragic that we see here at his crucifixion. Because he endured the very bitter end, like it was a sour, a sour taste to his mouth when he needed water. And so he's thirsty. He was thirsty for your love. He was thirsty for my love. And we couldn't give it. We didn't give it. I was um, talking with somebody here in our church two weeks ago who said, why why is life so tragically hard? And she said, isn't isn't there like another way for God to accomplish this kind of stuff in my life? Does it have to be this way in my life and in my children's life? And uh, we as Christians, we have an answer to that. Uh, and it's simply that Jesus himself asked that same exact question. That in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, do, God, do I have to drink this cup? Does it have to be this way? And the cross is the answer. If he didn't drink that cup, we wouldn't have a God that would have bled for us. And which, with each of the crosses that we have, even in this room, each of our own individual crosses, God is watching you to see whether you believe that he did this for you. And the moment that you do, you become willing to take up your own cross. And you say, not my will, but yours. This is how we face the grave, y'all. This is what is meant when, when it says that we are baptized into Christ so that at your death, your baptism is complete. You are baptized into his death and resurrection forever. But we don't learn that unless we actually go into the ground. We are saying he is the point and end of all of my pain. And he will bring redemption out of that pain. That's what he's best at. And when we accept him as our substitute, and as our representative... Uh, We can face our grave sites. We can face it all. And uh, we can bury. We can go to the burial. Um, I have been fascinated for a couple of months now. I've been reading through the Gospels about this guy. And we're about to read it. uh, Joseph of Arimathea. You know, all the Gospel writers attest to the fact that this guy had some sort of a desire to give Jesus a proper burial. And he was apparently wealthy. He had means and resources. And so he bought this tomb and he put Jesus in the tomb and he took care of the process after his death. And as many of you know, if you um, have been around people that have died, there's like, that's not the end of it. Like you have to do something with the body and you have to take care of all these like logistical things. And uh, Joseph of, of Arimathea wanted to do that for Jesus. And he could. And uh, I think God records this in scripture and and the gospel writers record this in the scriptures just to say that God sees that. This is kind of random rich guy that wants to bury Jesus's body. And uh, Nicodemus and Joseph placed Jesus in the tomb and their process is that they would like cover the body with all sorts of spices. And for the next two days, um, no one. And I want us to embody this and imagine this. No one has any hope of anything for two days. And God lets us sit in that at times. There's a a guy named Adam Young that talks about the U-shaped narrative of the cross in our lives and he said, a lot of times Christians in particular have a hard time going to the bottom of the U and staying there. And he calls the bottom of the U Holy Saturday when Jesus was in the tomb. He said, a lot of times we don't want to go into the darkness of our own story. We just want to skip over to Sunday. And he says, if you do that, you will not taste the gospel as sweetly as you could. And he said many times. What we need to do is we need to sit in the silence and the hopelessness of Friday and Saturday before we skip over this part of the gospel, because we'll, we'll miss out on the joy of the resurrection. Meaning um, what I want you to imagine is that for Peter, uh, not only did he fail, but his worst fear came true for Mary Magdalene, um, for the other disciples, for Nicodemus, they had no hope for two days not even a prayer to hope. That's why Jesus was buried. It, it was, in, in their minds, everything was over and everything was pointless. And I don't know if you've ever been there. Um, but again, that's why Jesus does this. He's buried in the darkness of that tomb to, to tell you, even in your very hopeless moment, the, the worst moment you could possibly imagine, Um, I'm never going to leave you. I know exactly what it's like. I am in the darkness. The darkness is like light to me. That's why he says it's finished. He says he's done it. And he wants you to face that darkness with him now. Um, What I want you to do over the next uh, couple of days is just imagine um, what it's like To live in a world where you don't know what's going to happen with Christ over the next couple of days. That's the calling of the church. That's the practice of the church. The Good Friday, Jesus goes into the ground and we sit there and we wait on Saturday for for the resurrection. Take Jesus' betrayal, his blood and burial in, in its full reality and look at them and know that he did this for you. Uh, let's let's pray as we continue to worship. Father, we thank you for um, your son, Jesus. We uh, remember his death, and we are in pain because we know that in, in our heart of hearts that we are the type of people that cause our very own Savior to die. And so, Lord, that great story that... Um,